Is it time? This is the My New Norm podcast. And I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. In this episode, you'll hear from Dave Cole, a husband, a father, a businessman, a level one CrossFit instructor, YouTuber, friend, and an avid goat soap user. You know, sometimes in a split second, life can change drastically. Although we can't prepare for that, we can choose how we will respond to it. Listen to Dave share how he and his family processed through and responded to a tragic, unexpected family loss when life changes. Well, hello, Dave. Hey there. How's it going? Great. I've been uh, really looking forward to talking to you. You know, it's funny. I have this memory, and the memory is 1979, you (laughs) and R.B. Anthony walking into the junior high class. I never met you before, but R.B. had said, hey, a really good friend of mine, just moved here from Oregon, and uh, he's going to be here Sunday. Classes had already started. Sure enough, you walk in, and I surprised the heck out of you. I said, oh, Dave Cole, ladies and gentlemen. I do remember that. I remember that first Sunday. (laughs) Oh, man, you come a long way from that, let me tell you. Well, Dave... uh, (laughs) I have just absolutely loved doing some research on you. You have been busy with your life. There's unexpected things that happen to us. There's uh, adjustments, challenges, and at every point, you have to know life is a series of adjustments, and that's really really your life as well. So we're going to get into it. But before, I want to know a little bit of background for our listeners. Did you were you uh, raised in Oregon then originally? I uh, there was a few places that we lived. We lived in Oregon. We lived in uh, in uh, Torrance, California, Gardena area, and then, and then San Diego from uh, eighth grade up through a few years of college. So I spent the majority of the time in the San Diego okay. area. Where would you? call your home uh i i call oregon home <laughs> i uh we live out in a so eugene oregon is where um most people w- would recognize that's where the university of oregon okay. is and uh, we actually live out in a small town called Venita. my wife is a horse lover she's from wyoming this was our compromise because i was like i can't move to wyoming that would just be a little <laughs> bit too much for me so we live outside of eugene oregon nice so. now do you live on a property where you can have horses yes we do we uh we actually have uh, three horses of our own and we, we and she takes care of a fourth one we we have about um 12 acres that, uh, and we have two houses. My parents actually, two years ago, 
we had the honor of we built a, a second house on our property and my parents were able to move wow. there. So um, it's really wonderful to, to have that opportunity. So we have horses and parents. <laughs> <laughs> I have fond <laughs> memories of your parents. I love them dearly. So they moved back yeah. to Oregon then and now they're with you. Yeah. Uh, Nice. Yes. Yeah. I, I lost track of you when uh, I moved on in 89 and you moved right. uh, back to Oregon. Fill in the slots, the missing times a little bit. You got married. I got married. Um, I actually got married the day of my college graduation. And so I graduated from the University of Oregon and married my wife, Darlene. Nice. Darlene came into the marriage with uh, two kids. Kendra, our daughter, was eight when we got married, and Casey, our son, had just turned six. Okay. And so I got a degree in accounting, and so I went, I was working, she was actually my boss at a CPA firm. She was the office manager, so she likes to tell everybody she was my boss (laughs) at home and at work. Job security. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. And so I worked there for about three years and got my CPA license. And then I was a, I had the opportunity to begin working in health insurance, uh, first as a financial off, I mean, as a financial analyst. Okay. Um, then, then I did contracts and then I was promoted to the chief financial officer of a, of a regional um, health insurance company. Nice. Just, uh, I did that for eight, 17 years. Wow. So you had a lot of different things going on. You worked for years and then you retired, what, 2015? Yep, the last day of 2015, I did. So what happens when you work for 30 years and then your life changes the next day? What was that like? So what precipitated, part of what precipitated my retirement was one, the company that I was with was being bought out. And so it was a, it was a, a good opportunity, a good timing from that perspective. I also was very involved in CrossFit. I had the opportunity to open up my own, they call them boxes, but my own gym. But really the driving force behind this was that about three years before I retired, my daughter and she had two kids, they were killed in a in an auto accident. Uh. And so, you know, that's that's when life changed. Sure. So sorry. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and uh, and, and I want to, I you know, we'll get get to it. But I, I try to share openly about my kids because it's important to me that one everybody knows how important my kids are mm-hmm. to me. Two, I need to let that out. I need to not just press that mm-hmm. down in. And it's it's really just a good opportunity to talk with people, quite frankly. It usually takes them off guard, makes them a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning. I try to tell them, I'm, I'm okay. We, we can talk about this. I, I like talking about kid, my yeah. kids. It's it's a good thing for me. So, you know, try to put them at ease. Wanting to retire was part, I wanted to be closer to the family that I had left. Mm-hmm. My son, his wife, and they now have three kids. Uh, my wife, and then we talked about my parents moving closer. This was all an opportunity for me to kind of start gathering closer to me and being closer to the people that were most important to me in my life. That was the change. We needed each other. Right. We all needed each other and we all still do need each other. And so being able to retire and and do these other things helped to make 
that being together happen right. um, in a much more real way. Well, if I could just ask, what or how did you cope? I know you're still in a process of healing for sure, but how mm-hmm. did you and mm-hmm. your wife set out to be with each other, but have this longing and this missing happening? How did you guys uh, cope with that? I remember very distinctly the night that, that the kids passed away. And so Darlene and I were, we were in, we were in Vanita and we needed to get to Wyoming the next morning. We, we needed to leave early in the morning. Kids were going to go with Casey and his wife were going to go with us. My parents were going to join us in a few days, but we're, you can't mm-hmm. sleep. You know, there's, there's no sleep going to happen. It's three o'clock in the morning and we're laying in bed and, you know, crying, praying. And our discussions were that we can't, we can't let this be the thing that dictates our life. Mm-hmm. We can't just let grief swallow us up. We want our marriage to work we want our family life to work. And at that time, I was still working. I needed my job to work. Yeah. And so how are we going to do this? And that's where we came up with that. We have to let this out. We have to talk about our mm-hmm. kids any chance we can. We also decided that we needed other outward signs of our kids. I have a tattoo on my um, on my inner arm that says KHK. That's mm-hmm. for Kendra Hunter. Uh, and Kaylin, and so then KHK kind of became our rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, my my daughter in law got a tattoo with KHK on it. My Darlene got this very beautiful necklace that she wears every day to this day that said KHK. Casey's done. Our son has done a few different things. We have a KHK garden um, at our house. It's just mm-hmm. it, we have KHK. Our license plates are KHK, KHK1, KHK2. Wow. We've, we want to be thinking about our kids all the time. And, and so that has allowed us to not be swallowed up by that grief. We still have grieving times. Mm-hmm. We still have moments where it hits us very hard. Would you find that it hits you like waves? And the waves come yeah, and go. Well, yeah, you. We'll just, you know, I can, I can vividly remember a time where I was just, I was sitting down in, in my chair and and watching TV, and there was a show or a song, something that came on that just reminded me of Kendra, and it was just this wave of grief that came on me for about fifteen minutes, and then it was, it was, it was able, I was able to let it yeah. go and move on. Yeah. Um, and that and that just happens. From what I understand, the brain is unable to process it all, and so it takes it a little bit at a time. So the waves come. Right. Sometimes I'm sure it's overwhelming, and other times less. But your brain is handling the grief, you know, a little at a time, and. It, a song or a smell or a memory can bring it on, you know, all that. Right. What is the toughest time of the year for you? Um, it's, it's Kendra's birthday. It's actually uh, going to be next week, March 23rd. But, but I have a kind of a, a, a happy story along with that is that one of our neighbors put a sign up. We have, we have riding trails around our house, and some are pretty remote, and they're harder to get to. And there was this one trail that 
that Kendra called the man from Snowy River because if you didn't do it right, it's like going over the cliff, <laughs> like the man, the movie Man from Snowy yeah. River. And so he put a little he put a um, a little sign up that says Kendra's Ridge. And so every on her birthday, we make sure we go and visit Kendra's Ridge. And so it's a it's a you know it's again it's not it's not an easy day, but it's it's something now that we look forward to mm. doing on Kendra's mm. day. Wow. Um, but but that's the day that's the yeah. toughest. Well, as we're talking about this, there's, I'm sure, listeners are finding uh, that they have or are dealing with something like this. What would you say to them? What what encouragement would, would you speak of? Well, I you know, I don't want to say that time heals all wounds, but there is a passing of time that mm-hmm. does that does lessen the sharpness of the mm-hmm. pain. There's still pain, but it doesn't just cut through you. Um, and I'd say, you know, hang on for that time. We had a very strong support network and we still do a uh, family. Um, our church, our church came behind us and stood up for us in a very strong way. We had friends that were just fantastic. And so I, you have to lean on other people. And if you have faith, you need to lean on your yeah. faith because those are the things that are going to get you through it. I um, remember, I think it was C.S. Lewis, dealing with the death of his wife, said, at first the memories are too painful, but over time, memories once again become your friends. Yes. that's. I've never heard that, but that's very yeah. appropriate. Very well, appropriate. the uh, challenge of getting up every day with that kind of grief and loss, uh, you mentally have to start thinking intentionally or else it could knock you over. How, how are you intentional? Yeah. You wanted to talk about it, make them part of your life conversation. Were there other things you did mentally that helped you to be intentional? So what's what's coming to me is that I recently got back from a, a, a trip with, with three of my friends. We've been getting together for a number of years. When we get together, we each do a devotion every day we're together. And so one of the one of the guys talked about a service he'd been in where speaker had, had said, you know, you're a king. Jesus has made you a king. And every day when you get up, you need to go put your crown on your head. <laughs> You know, that's that's silly, but you look in the mirror and you say, I'm a king. Mm. And you put that crown on your head. Wow. And it just, you know, it, it, it gives you the strength for the day. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know that your challenge and the way you've been dealing with this have... I'm sure influenced a lot of people and I commend you on that. You had mentioned being with your friends. It's more than that. From what I heard, you guys have been meeting for almost 20, I guess, 24 years of the same people. Tell me a little about how it started. Some of the juice that you get in your life from knowing you've got some solid uh, relationships like that in your life. These the four guy the four the four of us we've all known each other since we were much much younger. Um, 
two of them I've essentially known since I was born. One's my cousin and my friend, and the other one's a very, very close friend that still lives near near us. And then the, the third one is we grew up together. He's now moved. He actually lives in Brazil. But is so what, that right? What, yeah, he comes from Brazil to, to meet with us. Uh, for the last three years, three or four years, he's been flying from Brazil Good to meet grief. with us for this. So my, my cousin had, had uh, got this idea from a seminar he had uh, attended. And in that, the speaker talked about this group that he had met with for the last 25 years. And so he thought that would be a great idea. And so he got us together and, and um, the two of us that lived in Eugene at the time, he, he had come home to see his parents. And so we, the three of us got together and he brought this up and we were both, we were all in. And then we, uh, we contacted the fourth after that. And uh, it started out, it's just a five, five year commitment to get together uh, for four days every year. We like to golf. It's called, we call it now the G5 Summit <laughs> where it's God guys golf grub and games um, <laughs> go figure right um and you know these guys have just become my my confidants they're my uplifters you know we also <laughs> we're also very competitive <laughs> and we want to beat each other very badly but yet you know, when we golf or when we play a game, we are, we are, we're, we want to win, but yet we're each other's biggest supporter as long as we're not competing against each other. And, and, you know, and that, so that's just been a, uh, it, it's been a wonderfully enriching piece of my life to know that I have these three guys that have my back, but also just to know that uh, I'm going to get together with them once a year and we're going to, we're going to have this quality time of, of, talking about God, talking about our lives, and then playing games and eating well. I mean, it's just it's just a great it's a great time. It's a band of brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there is uh so much there. Uh I love how connected you are. It's it's not um yeah, I know Henry and I know um Jonathan and we hang out whenever. This is intentional. There's a commitment yeah. that you guys have made. There's a cost in the commitment to stay connected. I'm sure you have seriously done life with these these guys. Yeah. So we talked about it this trip actually that uh, we've we've played about ninety rounds of golf together during this period. Mm -hmm. We've been together for over a hundred days. Um, <laughs> You know, so if you, if you would have done it from beginning to end all together, it'd be over three months together. We probably would have killed each other <laughs> if we had done that. But it, it's just, I know, I know these guys' lives mm -hmm. intimate. I mean, I know what's going on in their life and they know what's going on in yeah. mine. And they can hold me accountable uh, to things that we've talked about because, I mean, because we've talked about them and they're able to hold me accountable and I'm able to hold them accountable. How has this group helped you walk through the loss of family? So the the year the the meeting we had after after the kids passed away was we were we actually we read a book called Halftime and this book the person that wrote it this the change in their life came when they lost the the, the author he lost his mm -hmm. son in an accident and so. 
when we had assigned this book, no, nobody knew the kids were going to pass away. So I was the last one to finish the book for whatever reason. And, and so these guys were dropping hints like, you know, if you want to change the book, we can. If you want to do something different, we can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I couldn't figure out what, why are they, why are they tiptoeing around this book all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. And then one night I read it and I, I, uh, I couldn't sleep one night. And so I, I got up like at 11 o'clock at night and, and read it till about four o'clock in the morning. And I had to call these guys the next morning and say, Hey, I've read it. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about this book. We can talk about my kids. That's really the whole purpose that this guy went through in this book. And it's what I'm trying to do in my life. Um, and so it kind of opened up the doors of, yes, we're going to talk about, um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about, unfortunately, we're going to talk about the death of my family, uh, in my mm-hmm. family, but it's opened up the doors for, as others have had parents pass away or whatever mm-hmm. to, that we're going to talk about it. We have to talk about these. Things. So the book is called Halftime. Who, do you remember the author? I don't. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know this would go this way. I should have looked that up. <laughs> that would be easy to find, I'm sure. Um, yeah. That book was really instrumental at the point of thinking about retirement and kind of retooling your life. How else did that book help you? Well, it did. Um, it, it, it talks about as you move into retirement that, that you need to have a plan. You need to have an intentional plan. You talked about every day getting up. What's the thing I did that was the intentional item I did? This book very was very similar to that. There needed to be an intentional plan when you make this life change. You can't just be willy-nilly about it. One of my friends talked about this trip. He said, we're trying to live our retirement years intentionally, not accidentally. Mm. Great and that, point. that was pretty powerful Great to me because, you know, we've got to have a plan right. in our life. And so that book really started that process for me of, okay, I need to figure out what am I going to do for the next, hopefully, 30 plus years of my life? How am I going to have an impact? I want to have a, I want to have an impact on my friends and family. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I got enough of an ego or something to think that I can have some sort of impact on the mm-hmm. world. How do I do mm-hmm. that? You know, um, I, I, ego is the wrong word. I'd like to think I have enough self-confidence that I can have an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have an impact on my wife and, I can, my, and, and my son, and, um, but also the world. And so that book kind of started that process or at least reaffirmed that process. Wow. You know, it's it's interesting that you talked about a purpose. Our brains, they have to have a purpose. If not, they get really lazy. Our brains tend to go on autopilot. But if you have a purpose yeah. and you're intentional, your brain is engaged to help you get there, almost like a target. Having purpose daily and in your life is a healthy, healthy thing to do for your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I don't mean to go back. I keep thinking about this. I met you in seventh or eighth grade. What were, what were you like mm-hmm. 
growing up as a kid? Well, I'd like to think that I was, I, I was, I like to think I was pretty fun, you know, and, and I, I was really into sports. Um, there wasn't a sport that I didn't like. My sister, Dana, was incredibly outgoing and incredibly outspoken. And so she's, she's four and a half years older than me. Um, and so my parents, though, like to say, well, we didn't know you even had a personality until she went off to college. Uh, and so I guess I was quiet as well in the beginning, at least. Yeah, I thinking um, back, I could see you as someone who is quiet but has so much going on inside and it sounds like your adult year has tapped into that stuff inside that's awesome um i'm going to bring this up now you have a purpose in your life one of them is a video series on youtube that's called living the abundant life what is it and how did it start? What's going on with that? So, first of all, it's 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 a, a scripture in the Bible, uh, John ten in in the in the book, uh, the tenth chapter of John, where it talks about Jesus has come and he says, "I I've come to give you life, and for it to be more abundant." Mm. That that stuck with me actually from a hymn growing up in church. There was a hymn, there is a hymn called More Abundantly, and it talks about Jesus, that you might have life and more abundant. But I believe that God wants us to be abundant. He wants to, he wants to give us an abundance. And mm -hmm. I don't just mean financially. I mean an abundance in our relationships, an abundance in our relationship with God. Uh, an abundance in our activities. I, I just really think that our lives can be focused on more, living your life to the fullest. And so since I retired, I kind of became a YouTube junkie. <laughs> I like to, I like to watch YouTube. Yeah. You know, you can fix any, you can learn to fix right. anything through YouTube. And, and I, I really can't fix anything to begin <laughs> with. So it's helped me to actually do some stuff, but, but it just kind of gave me this, this thought that, you know, I can do this. Mm. I, I, and, and this, this living a more abundant life has really been something that I've, that I've tried to do at least for the last five to 10 years. That's been a, a very um, conscious effort to try to live life more abundantly. And so I started this, uh, uh, this uh, video series and it's just been a lot of fun. I, I, there, there's frustrations to it, as I think that you could probably attest in doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of joy that comes mm -hmm. from it. It's really gratifying to talk to people after you send out and put out a video and they're like, wow, that was so fun, Dave. That was so great. I hope I, I want to do that or I want to do this or, you know, I want to get together with three of my my friends for the next 24 years type of deal. <laughs> and so it's just a, it's 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 a labor of love. I, I don't. It's just something that's fun to do right now. Well, I've learned a lot about you. I don't. I, <laughs> I had a one, one question. What yeah. is goat soap? <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of comments on that. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about goat soap? <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Um, so I did a video of three things that are that have made my life easier, and one of those was goat soap. <laughs> and uh, 
And it, and the picture I showed actually was a was a bar of soap with a unicorn on it. And so people were like, not only is that goat soap, but it's got a unicorn on it. <laughs> so I've been hassled quite a bit on that one. Um, it's it's actually it's been it's been a very nice addition to my life because I use it to shave. And it actually, I have, I can, I can uh, have sensitive skin on my face, and it's been the best product for shaving in my life that I've oh, found. So, um, even though it's an oddball thing, it really has been. A, <laughs> it's added. It caused my life to have more abundance. Oh Mary. my! <laughs> I've been absolutely, like I said, amazed at some of the things that uh, you just gone after and learned about or studied it. This whole CrossFit thing is a real surprise yeah. to me. And yet the benefit of feeling stronger and accomplishing, you've actually gone on to not just do CrossFit, but become a level one instructor. What is that CrossFit to you? CrossFit is... Um you know, I'm not. I'm not going to go to the extremes many go to of saying it's been a lifesaver, but it's really been an avenue for me to. I told you that as a kid, I love sports. Mm -hmm. It's been an avenue for me to keep active in sports through even even when my time is limited. So, uh, you know, a CrossFit workout is usually you work out for about an hour. Um, the actual workout of the day is usually anywhere from six minutes to 25 minutes, but then you're doing other work al along the way. And it's just been a, and so I, like I said, I'd opened up my own gym. It was not a great financial decision. I didn't ever make any money at CrossFit, but it was a lot of fun because you bring in people come in to work out. They become your friends because it's, it's hard. It's hard work and you're doing it together and you're doing it together with people that you like. So that's been the biggest key for me is that working out with people that I like and that I could spend time with later or before mm -hmm. um, as well. What advice would you give someone after this two years of COVID? They're not in the best health. They're kind of a product of separation and restrictions and they get they need to get moving yeah. again. What are some first steps yeah. that you would give to get on your way to healthy again? Well, I, I, I think most definitely if they haven't exercised for a while, they, they, they need to start out a little slow. You don't want you don't want to make yourself miserable that first week. And if you haven't been doing uh, much activity, you're going to get sore pretty quickly. Right. So, you know, just get out and take a walk, get out and do a nice bike ride and then and then grow from there. Your goal needs to be. You need to have a goal of that you're going to work out hard enough that your heart rate is above 100. Mm. People need to have their heart rate above 100. That's where you start to see a change in your fitness level. Um, it, you'll see a change in how you look, um, which will then motivate you to eat a little bit better. And so start slow, but be consistent and then ramp it up as you go. That's in owning a gym. That's where people would struggle. Is they'd come in, they'd get excited, they'd work out really hard that first day, <laughs> and they couldn't move the <laughs> second day. Uh, and then you never see them again. So I was always trying to 
pull them back right, right. those first few times they came. You know, don't do that. Just let's take it nice and easy. So I, that's how I would encourage people. But I would encourage people. You've got to start. Yeah, uh, you've got to start doing that. I, I just fitness to me is so important. If I can. Barry, if I can just kind of, um, I don't want to hijack this, but my sister Dana, um, who you knew, and she's she was amazing, and she came, she had uh, early onset Alzheimer's, um, and she's actually been in this process for uh, about uh, over ten years now, and she's very close to passing away. That has been part of my motivation is that they don't know, they still don't know a lot about Alzheimer's. They don't know as much as they should, but they know that having a level of fitness will help you in your battle against Alzheimer's. And so they encourage you to be fit. They don't encourage you to be supersonic fit. They encourage you to have a fitness level where you're, you're doing stuff. And I'm not saying my sister didn't do that, but that's, that has been, by and large, the biggest piece that the physicians are saying right now is you need to have some level of fitness. Alzheimer's is such a terrible disease, and it's hitting all of our families. I'll get off my soapbox. No, no, I appreciate you um, sharing that. So she's dealt with yeah. this for, what, 10 years, you said? Yeah, yeah. She's 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 in a home now, and she's she doesn't know us anymore. Uh, it's it's very it's it's been a another difficult uh, area in uh, in my family's life. And this um, is a slow disappearing of the one that you know. Exactly. Well, you yeah. have you have yes. encountered the sudden unexpected loss, and then the ongoing slow disappearance of your sister. Both are tragic, yeah. but there's one that's that's probably harder because it's a a slow goodbye and that disease has taken so many people that way what would you say to my listeners in regards to them dealing with either unexpected loss or slow loss what would you say to them i know i've asked that before but i just really really want to provide some encouragement for my listeners. Yeah, well I can I continue to be impressed with how well family and friends will help support you. So um, stay connected. Stay connected. You know, I I know it's easy to blame God for things at this time, but the strength that we get from God to deal with these terrible issues, these terrible situations I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to reconcile it. I just, I know that my faith in God has got me through mm. these these um, situations. And and I, I don't think I could have done it without mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I heard recently as a reminder that God is able to prevent and to rescue us. But many times he doesn't make the thing go away. He gives you strength to go through it. And when that happens, you come away with this grittiness in you that come what may, uh, there's a new strength, you know, and it sounds like that has been the key for you. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. Uh, Well, Dave, I am absolutely impressed 
with the direction, the being intentional in your life to to go after or to pursue this thing you call abundant life, it's really evident that that it's working. (laughs) I, I think the conversation today has been a good one for anyone. If they are going through or will go through uh, difficulties that you can change your life by being intentional on how to go through something. You don't want to put it on autopilot. The default mechanism isn't good. And you've been very, very intentional. Dave, I love you. I'm sorry it's been since junior high. <laughs> but I I, uh, I sit here and think, you know what? How proud I am of what you are and what you become. I, I guess I have to call you King David. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. And, uh, and I don't want to minimize, you know, there are people that pour their life into you at certain times in your life. And, you know, from eighth grade through, hmm. through our graduation from high school, you were, you were one of those people that poured their themselves hmm. into my life. And uh, so I, I really appreciate you as well. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Dave, <sighs> I once again see the reality for you, staying connected, not hiding, continue to to get out there and to be with people has really, really been a key of your life, even in retirement. Mm -hmm. You have certainly um, modeled that and uh, you have... You've really done a great job. Well, until we talk again, Dave, thank you for coming in, sharing your story. We'll talk again real soon. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please share this podcast with those you know. A podcast to help you foster change. Until the next episode... This is the My New Norm podcast, and I am still your host, Barry Scott Young.